Hi, this is Alistair Jenks of the NoSillacast Apple Podcast, hosted at podfeet.com, a technology geek podcast with an ever so slight Apple bias. Today is Sunday, July 17, 2022, and this is show number 897. Alison and Steve are in Iceland, land of volcanoes and glaciers. While they're off enjoying themselves with some seriously long days, I wonder when gin and tonic time happens if the sun only sets after 11pm. Bart Bishotz and I have been drafted in to keep this factory we call the Nosilicast going for a couple of weeks. Before they left, Alison recorded an episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond with longtime Nosilicastaway Mark Pawley of Twin Lakes Images. You may have heard of the Starlink satellites, and you may know that they provide internet services for areas that can't get traditional copper or fibre services, or at least can't get good services with those technologies. Mark Pauly knows more because he is a subscriber to the Starlink internet service. He chats with Alison about the strengths and weaknesses of the Starlink system. I had no idea how it was different to any other satellite system, but Mark explains it is quite different. You can take a listen on Chit Chat Across the Pond episode 737. While Alison may be absent, we still get to hear from the fantastic NoSilicast community. As well as a couple of stories from me, this week we'll hear from Stephen Getz and Ed Tobias. But first, Jill from the Northwoods wants us to do more push-ups? Hello everyone, this is Jill from the Northwoods. If you listen to me here or on my podcast, you know I love productivity. I love productivity books and applications. I also like habit tracking. A lot of times when I fail at my habits, it tends to be because I forget about them, not so much because I lose interest in them or I'm willfully trying not to get them. I settle down at the end of the day and say, ah, work is over. Now which TV can I watch? What video game can I play? Or what book can I read? And it never strikes me that I had a list of things that I really wanted to get done as habits. Todoist is a great app. And it is really what I put my big projects in, my daily tasks, taking out the trash, making sure that I complete these podcasts and get them uploaded in time, also things around the house, and obligations I have with my friends. And despite the fact that you can create daily habits inside of Todoist, I find clutters up the real goals and big projects I'm trying to work on in Todoist. So instead, I take my habits and I use an entirely different app. And this app has been around for a long time and I've used it for a long time. This app is called Streaks. It's available for iOS and Mac and it's available on the Apple Watch too, either through the application on the watch or on complications. First of all, it's a very pretty application. You have all sorts of choices of icons and colors when you're creating a brand new habit to track. And there's all sorts of notifications involved because it wants you to stay on top of things. And it wants to do it in a friendly but pestering way. It has that perfect balance right there where you don't feel like you're being annoyed by it, but you do feel like you're being reminded about it. Some nice features when it comes to streaks is that it can automatically track certain goals that it's taking right from the Apple Watch. Things like how many steps have you taken, measuring your heart rate, or in your health kit, if you're recording things like your blood pressure or other statistics that are there, 
it can track those as well. Do you want to run five miles three times a week? It can track that too. It's very good at figuring out what it can gain either by taking in data that's automatically recorded through the Apple Watch or writing data so that you can track it in the health app too. Are you interested in doing a particular habit every other day, every other month, once a month, once a year? Would you like to do it multiple times a day? I like to do stretches twice a day, once in the morning and once in the evening before I go to bed. I have the ability to set those two targets so it reminds me both in the morning and in the evening. It does long presses so that you can get to settings. It has a very nice layout so you can see your stats. How are you doing? Are you improving in your habits? Are you declining in your habits? Or maybe you're just maintaining a steady pace. But it's very visible and very easy to read. It syncs across all your devices. There's even this concept of negative tasks. Negative tasks might be, I want to stop drinking coffee. So the task is automatically checked from the beginning of the day. And then, if for some reason you had a cup of coffee when you were trying to quit, you can uncheck that task, meaning you broke your streak by doing something you should not have done. It's all very handy when you're trying to get that feel and that reminder for keeping up with your daily items. There's a light mode and a dark mode. It is also possible that you can share tasks, create an owner. There are a number of shortcuts involved inside of the tasks as well, in case you want to do some automation with it. Really neat. I haven't gotten into the automation, but I'm excited to try. The tasks kind of fall into three different buckets. Things that should be picked up by your Apple Watch. Rings. Minutes exercised. Burn energy. Energy deficit. How much did I eat versus how much did I burn? Did you work out? Did you climb a flight of stairs? Did you swim today when you promised yourself that you're going to swim three times a week? All that stuff picks up from the Apple Health Kit. Then there are some other habits which are based on health activities. So those are going to be things like brushing your teeth, washing your hands, any kind of weight, blood pressure, glucose, things that you're going to record in the app, it will write to your health kit so that you can track it there too. And some of the measurements with a tape measure or caffeine. And if you're entering in your nutrition data by using another third-party app, I happen to use my net diary, but other people like my fitness pal, when that data goes into the health kit, it can also be read from these tasks. And when you accomplish them, they automatically check off. So if you did decide that you wanted to exercise three times a week, it's keeping track through your Apple Watch and checking that off automatically when you accomplish it. Then the third type of task that you can create is just basically unrelated to anything in the health kit, whether it's part of the exercise or it's part of other data that you're collecting. There are timer tasks in there. So let's say you say, I want to read a book for 10 minutes a day. You will set the timer for you when you're ready to begin that task and let you know when your time is up. And it's very easy to track then those time-based activities. There's also an easy way of converting your tasks. So if at the time you weren't recording something in the health kit and now you are, you can switch that task over to be the appropriate kind of task. You can even pause a task. So, for instance, if you were to go running and hurt yourself and now you were going to break your streak 
of exercise, you can go ahead and pause that task knowing that there's really no way you can accomplish that. And then when you're ready to go back to running on the beach, you can start it back up again and your task will pick up right where you left it. It also makes it easy for you to create new tasks. It has a bunch of pre-written tasks like walk the dog, exercise, some things that people commonly like to do when they're measuring their habits. But you can create your own and make it something unique. Because it has so many good icons, it's very easy to see exactly what it is you're trying to get done. It also has some notifications, as I mentioned before. It can be based on time of the day or X many times during the week or month or year, whatever you'd like to track. And you can even have it be a location-based notification. So if you're someone who says, every day I want to go to this particular area and go for a run, if you're pretty sure when you get to that location, you're going for a run, you can mark that task automatically complete because you're there. Maybe it's your gym or maybe it's at a place you like to volunteer, but sometimes you got to push yourself a little just to get there to do the volunteer work. It has widgets that you can build into your phone and it also works in the notification center on Mac. Between my watch, my phone, and my MacBook, I can see all the things that I have not yet done and really try to focus on what needs to be done. You can also hook it up to Siri so you can easily start a task or mark one as completed. You can additionally protect it with Face ID if you're worried that someone's going to go in and start completing your tasks. Some habits that I like to track on there, I have some bins that I've been going through and trying to get rid of old stuff. Every day, some of that bin has to go out in the trash. I make sure that I pray for a sustained amount of time where I really have quiet and I can focus. And I make sure that I clean something, not just a countertop or a small area, but something dedicatedly for at least 10 minutes every day. It helps me keep track of that, along with the exercise, the good eating, and the other habits that I wish to keep going with. There's another app that's available called Streaks Workout, and it's related to this app, and it does integrate with this app, but it's a little bit different. So it's only available on your watch, your iPhone, or Apple TV, and the idea is that you will create multiple workouts on your phone. Maybe it would be a light workout, a heavier workout. You program them in to Streaks Workout. And it'll keep track when you start one of those workouts, a body weight exercise, it will give you timers for each of the items. So maybe I have to do two minutes of push-ups, four minutes of squats, five minutes of stretches, six minutes of mountain climbers. You'll be able to create exercises with different lengths of workout. You can even play workout music if you have an Apple Music subscription. And then it'll save your workouts to your health app. It'll count towards your rings, and it syncs across all the devices. If you have it on your Apple TV, you can go through and see your workout on the television, or you're just looking at it on your phone or your watch. If I have a goal, then, of doing push-ups every day, when I do those push-ups, it will track inside of the Streaks app, too, that I accomplish the overall goal of doing push-ups every day. That makes the integration really nice. You can create new exercises 
For example, if you want to row for a certain duration, go for a hike, go for a run. Or if you're looking to do some sort of a kettlebell exercise that the app didn't think of, you can create your own. When you create a workout set, it will pick six of the exercises inside that particular workout. It comes with four workouts automatically set up for you so you don't have to think about it. And they're classified by their difficulty. But you too can create your own workouts. What gets a little bit weird about it is that it will randomize the exercises and it will take the duration of how long you say it takes you to do a push-up. And then it multiplies it out to give you enough time to do 10 push-ups. What if I don't want it randomized? What if I want it to be in a set order? I want to do a warm-up and then I want to go hiking for 20 minutes or running for 20 minutes and then I want to do a warm-up afterwards so that I can't set up this dedicated plan. What I could do, I could create a stretch workout, a running workout, and then another stretch workout and run all three of them in the right order. But it would be nice if it gave you the option of not being random, saying this is the exercise I want to do, I want to do it in this order, and make it so it enforces that order. The random nature of it can be nice and it can help be a bit exciting. But when you work with a trainer for a while, they always have the pattern of you working from the larger muscles to the smaller muscles. If it's random, you can't really set that scale up. So if you're looking for something that will enforce a body plan, this might not be the plan for you. If you're looking for something that will help you keep track of the habits and give you a bit of random exercise so that you can keep it exciting, keep it a little bit loose, and never get bored with what you're doing, this might be the right workout app for you. What's nice is as soon as you log in there, it asks you what kind of notifications you want to have in Streaks Workout. Maybe you're looking to be notified every day to remind you to do your exercise, or maybe you just want to be reminded if you're going to miss your streak. And that way, it's a little less on the notification side and maybe a little bit more friendly. It also asks if it's okay that it integrates with my Apple Music account. So overall, I think Streaks is a really fantastic app. I really like how it's done. I like how it works. I mean, there's not anything I dislike about this app. And it really helps me keep track of all the goals that I have on a day-to-day or week-to-week or month-to-month basis. And I like Streak Workouts too. The Mac app? costs $4.99. The iOS app for iPads, iPhone, and Apple Watch also costs $4.99. The Streaks Workout app and costs $3.99. Family sharing is allowed by all the apps. The company is called Crunchy Bagel, and they seem to be good eggs who respond to their customers and have great reviews. So I hope this helps you in tracking some of your habits that you're trying to keep on top of. It's one thing to get tasks done, but daily habits are hard to do and hard to follow up on. And if you're anything like me who just wants to be reminded in a nice, firm, but friendly way, Streaks is a great way to go. And because it's available on all the different devices, it makes it very easy to take with you and track. So again, this is Jill from the Northwoods. So as always, I hope you enjoyed the review of the Streaks apps. And if you have any questions, 
please feel free to reach out to me either on Allison's Slack channel or to contact me through her blog. I'm always happy to answer questions. Well, Jill, I'm not sure I'll be doing those push-ups anytime soon, but I do agree that Streaks is a great habit tracker. I used to use the app myself, but had no idea of the depth of capability it provides. I used Streaks very simply to help me beat a problem with my back, where my physiotherapist had prescribed a series of stretches to be done every day. Streaks kept me honest, doing the stretches every single day, with a reminder set for half an hour before bedtime. In addition to the reminder notifications, I found a very positive influence from the satisfaction of tapping one of the buttons to say the task was done. Thanks, Jill, for your thorough review. Oh, and speaking of my back. It all started with a trip to the doctor. I don't even remember what for. Had I noticed the red splotch on my back? No. We should consult with a skin specialist. Okay. It's benign, but could become a problem. We should remove it. Okay. We'll have to cut it out. Okay. I was sitting on the train, trying not to put any pressure on my back on which the wound had not yet fully healed. I succeeded in keeping the pressure off the wound, but transferred it instead to my sciatic nerve. So began over a year of visits, on and off, to a physiotherapist. I berated myself for a while for doing that thing to my back, but through the physiotherapy, I was learning about my back, about how it works. I learned how that momentary lapse of reason was just the final straw to a lifetime of misuse and abuse. My height, which I could do nothing about. My weight, posture and habits, which I could do something about. And the sitting, so much sitting. Don't sit for long periods, said my physiotherapist. Get up and walk around and stretch. It's so easy to get lost in a problem for work or buried in a long session of processing photos. So I decided to apply some technology to this problem. With a lot of working from home in this period, I was using my own MacBook Pro to remotely access my Windows 10 laptop that was in the office. So the Mac was where the problem needed to be addressed. The problem to be solved is this. Something needs to not only remind me to get out of my chair, it needs to be forceful about it. I did a search on the App Store and selected Time Out by Dejal Systems LLC. At its most basic and with default settings, Time Out will offer a micro break for 15 seconds every 15 minutes and a normal break for 10 minutes every hour. When a break arrives, the screen slowly dims and then you get a theme displayed. There are many themes to choose from and extras can be downloaded, or you can even create your own as they are based on web technologies. The point of the theme is simply to add something interesting. My favourites are the basic LCD digital clock and, at the right time of year, falling leaves. The key to the breaks is that you are forcefully interrupted by the entire screen being obscured. However, should you be in the middle of something vitally important, there are buttons to postpone or skip a break. For my purposes, I don't have any micro breaks configured and have a two minute break every 45 minutes. This is enough for me to get out of my chair and leave the room briefly and pay attention to my posture and if my body is telling me I need a longer break. If the capabilities of timeout stopped there, I would be a happy user, but there's quite a bit more to it. You can create as many types of break as you wish and each can be customized with many options. Obviously the frequency and break time, but also each can have its own theme and its own options on how it behaves. 
These options include which screen to display on, other screens will simply be dimmed, the speed and colour of the fade, whether to offer postpone and skip buttons, and limitations on the use of those buttons, like allowing a maximum number of skips per day. There is also an option to add actions to breaks. These include built-in actions to display a notification, a set time before the break, fade out system audio, play a sound, flash a colour on screen, or speak some text. You can also set a custom action to run automated workflows or Apple scripts. Some of these are provided as extras and include, for instance, pausing Apple Music or starting the screensaver. There are numerous global options too. Among the most useful are exclusions, which allow you to tell timeout not to start a break when certain apps are in focus, such as video calling software, and keyboard shortcuts. There are nine possible shortcuts, but I have only two set. One to start my normal break immediately, and one to reset the break timer. Timeout appears in the menu bar and by default displays the time to your next break. I find this a useful indicator to whether I should start a task requiring concentration, and this is when I will use my keyboard shortcut to start the break now. For instance, I see the timer as I write this sentence says 10 minutes, so I will finish this paragraph and probably another few. If it said 3 minutes, I would probably complete this paragraph, then press Ctrl Option Command B to start the break and leave my desk for a glass of water. If I forget to start the break, then I might return to my computer and note a break is due in just a few minutes. So I then press Ctrl Option Command N to reset the timer without showing a break. It is worth noting, however, that timeout will detect when you are not using your computer and start counting backwards on the timer, as this is considered a natural break. This is great in many circumstances, but I find sometimes when I am reading dense text on my screen, it will start this backward count when I'm really still using my computer. Moving the mouse every so often will address this. Timeout is free in the Mac App Store or direct from the developer. There are in-app purchases or from the website if you download direct, which are 3, 6 or 12 month supporter purchases for 4, 8 or $15 respectively. These are not subscription payments, they are a single time charge. Purchasing any of these gives you permanent access to advanced features. But as I am a supporter, I cannot tell you what those are by looking at the app, and nor can I find anything on the website to tell me which features they are. The app is free to use, so you can evaluate it first to see if you need the advanced features. Finally, Timeout is also available as part of SetApp, and this version includes all of the advanced features. Next up, let's hear from Stephen Getz about some really great headphones. Hi, I'm Stephen Getz from London, Ontario, Canada. I have been promising this review to Allison for six months. I don't think Allison ever thought she'd see it. First, the problem to be solved. I wanted a good quality set of headphones that I could use for things like watching TV at night while others of my family are sleeping. I also wanted to use them to listen to podcasts while doing chores like mowing the lawn. And for the few times a year, I travel either by airplane or train. The features that were important to me are good noise cancellation, lightweight design, good battery life, the support connecting to more than one Bluetooth device at once, and the ability to plug in a standard analog headphone cable for emergency use. I first tried the Anchor Soundcord Life Q30s. They had all the required features, and they were even a very affordable option at just over $100 Canadian dollars. The big drawback, though, was that after only a few months of use, the plastic in the headband started breaking and falling out. It got to the point where every time I used them, a new bit of plastic would fall out. So I decided I should try and see if I could find a better option. 
Then two things happened. First, I won a sizable Amazon gift card from work. And secondly, the Sony WH-1000XM4s went on sale at Amazon. The Sony WH-1000XM4s have a foldable design that allows them to fit into a fairly small carrying case that is included with the headphones. They are made from a good quality plastic that is strong and creak-free, but still nice to handle. They have touch controls on the right ear cup that allow you to evoke your voice assistant. Volume up and down, play, pause, skip back, skip forward. It can do all those things, that is, when you could get it to work. I found the touch controls to be very fiddly and almost never use them. I usually just control my media on my phone or MacBook Air instead of the touch controls on the headphones. These headphones sound great. They have a nice highs, good mids, and good bass without being too overpowering. If you are the type that likes to tinker with the equalizer, the Sony Headphones iOS app will let you set many settings on the headphones. You can change noise cancellation modes, but the button on the left ear cup does, and it has a user-configurable EQ. Once the EQ is set on your phone, it will stay with the headphones and function for any of the other devices you use with them. They support all the fancy wireless codecs too, like AAC and LDAC, a high-resolution codec supported on Android phones but not iPhones at the moment. The noise cancellation worked really well. I wrote this review while sitting on a Via Rail train somewhere between Toronto and Montreal, and they do a really good job at filtering out things like wind noise and mechanical noise. If I had a complaint, it would be that it doesn't filter out higher frequency sounds like voices well enough, although this may be a design so you don't miss things like public announcements. Connecting to them is really easy. I simply hold the button on the left ear cup. The nice lady lets me know I'm in connecting mode, and then they appear in the Bluetooth menu on my Mac or iPhone. They support being connected to two different devices at once, so hopping from my Mac to my iPhone and back doesn't require going through the connection process again. Sony rates them for having a battery life of 30 hours with noise cancellation turned on. If you run that down, it has a quick charge feature where 10 minutes of charging will get you 5 hours of playback. I can go several days without needing to charge them. They charge through a USB-C port located on the right side ear cup. Another feature Sony advertises is an artificial intelligence feature they call Edge AI to enable DSEE Extreme, Digital Sound Enhancement Engine Extreme, to upscale lower bitrate music and make it sound better. In my limited use, I haven't noticed it, but maybe that's a good thing, meaning it's doing a good job of making lower quality sources sound similar to the higher quality sources. There are some negatives. It has a feature called Speak to Chat, which is supposed to pause your music or video if you start speaking to someone, then resume your media when you have stopped speaking. In practice, it does pause the podcast or video, but will take a very long time to resume, and often it will pause even if you do something like cough or clear your throat. I have this feature turned off. Sony recently released the next version of these headphones, the WH-1000XM5s. The XM5s have a completely new design, tweaks to the noise cancellation algorithms, and are lighter, but they don't fold down as much as the XM4s. So if you travel a lot, that might be an important distinction. Sony is still selling the XM4s as a less expensive option. To finish off, I think these are great headphones. They sound great, are comfortable to wear, have long battery life, great noise cancellation, and can be found on Amazon for $278, US which is $100 cheaper than the brand new XM5s. They also come in two colors, black or a cream color. This has been Stephen Getz from the Great White North signing off. Thanks for that review, Stephen. I bought the prior model, the XM3, in early 2019, and I love them. I don't use them nearly as much, so they last me weeks on a single charge. 
I also use the wired connection when I'm recording for podcasts, like right now. In this mode, without Bluetooth on, the noise cancellation is not active, but the passive isolation provided by the over-ear design is quite effective on its own, particularly in a relatively quiet environment like a home office. You mentioned that they let voice frequencies through more than others. I remember reading when I got mine that this is a deliberate design feature to make it easier to hear people addressing you without having to turn off the noise reduction. I was sitting on a train one evening with them on when the last podcast in my queue finished, so there was no audio playing. I overheard some people talking, which struck me as odd as there was no one sitting anywhere near me at the time. I soon realised I was listening in on a conversation at the very end of the carriage I was sitting in the middle of. The headphones had filtered out all the noises of the trains and nearby traffic and only let through the voices, making them very clear. Not that I condone eavesdropping on strangers' conversations. The same train gave me a very graphic illustration of just how good the noise reduction is for those mechanical, inorganic sounds. I have been catching Wellington's electric trains for much of my life, and I am well attuned to their sounds and movements. It was the first time I had used the XM3s on the train. I was sitting, waiting for it to depart Wellington, listening to either music or a podcast while staring out the window. I got a fright when the train lurched into motion because I had not heard the familiar hiss of the air-operated doors, nor the usual thunk as they closed. As we got underway, it continued to be a strange experience as it felt like we were floating along the tracks noiselessly. I have had to learn how to take the headphones off, though. The noise reduction can be so good that simply taking them off your ears can be a shock to your auditory system. I always follow a process of stop the audio, Turn off the noise cancellation, then remove the headphones. We all know that feeling. You know you should get some exercise, but you just don't feel like it. If you don't feel up to it, that means your body is telling you to take it easy, right? Well, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Most weekday mornings I get out for a brisk walk of around half an hour to 40 minutes, which currently is all the exercise I get. If I have a rough night's sleep, the last thing I feel like doing is walking briskly. So I would tell myself that my body needs more rest and not go. But not feeling rested is not the whole story. That's where the iOS and Apple Watch app Training Today comes in. Training Today makes use of a health measurement called Heart Rate Variability, or HRV. Here's what the help in the app says about HRV. The value of your HRV at any given time is affected by activity in your autonomic nervous system. Essentially, fatigue from physical exertion, stress, lack of sleep or a range of other factors will lower the value of the HRV. Rest, recovery and good nutrition to fuel these will raise it. From an athletic perspective, HRV is subsequently a great overall physiological marker. A high HRV might indicate that an athlete is fresh and ready to perform at their best. Everyone's HRV will be different and it makes little sense to compare values with anyone else, nor even to pay attention to what your absolute value is. The real benefit is in looking for change in your HRV measurement. This is what training today does. If you're wearing an Apple Watch, it's already recording your HRV. Pop open the Health app, tap Browse, and then Heart. You'll see among the measurements is HRV. Mine currently says 51 milliseconds, but as I mentioned, you shouldn't measure yourself against mine. Training Today requests access to this measurement along with your resting heart rate, 
HRV is measured when you are relaxed, and to your workouts. The latter requirement simply serves to include your workouts in the application visuals so you can see the context of your readiness to train. Readiness to train, or RTT, is how the app boils down its analysis for easy consumption. RTT is a number from 0 to 10, where 10 means you're at peak performance capability and 0 means you probably shouldn't get out of bed. The lowest score I have seen was less than 2 after a stressful and sleepless night working. So, how do you operate the Training Today app? You don't. Once you have given the requester permission, you can just get on with life and look in when you want the insight it has to offer. You can do that in the app, on the iPhone or watch, or via an iPhone widget or watch complication. I have a medium-sized complication on my watch face which provides a coloured title, it just says training today, but the colour matters, my current score and a few words to tell me what the score means. Between the colour, score and words, you get a quick appreciation of your current level of potential. Turquoise, 10, top form. Green, 8.3, strong. Orange, 5.3, mid-intensity. Pink, 4.2, low intensity. Tapping on the watch complication will take you into the app where you can see more. Here you can see a slightly more wordy appraisal of your score and a graph of the last four days, which you can scroll through with the digital crown. You don't need your iPhone when using training today, but your current score can be displayed there, and it contains a lengthy tutorial telling you how everything works. However, a $5.99 in-app purchase gives you a couple of graphs in the iPhone app, one showing a 60-day baseline fitness graph and the other a 7-day RTT graph, similar to the one on the watch, overlaid with your workouts. You can tap to see the score at a particular point along with details of any workouts marked. Both graphs can be overlaid with your resting heart rate. There is also a simple widget to display your current score in the relevant colour. A settings screen has a couple of ways to adjust the algorithm used for calculating RTT if you find the app isn't matching up with what you expect. These settings provide detailed explanations of what they do and when to use them. Training Today was developed with British triathlon coaches and tested on athletes of varying ability, with the goal of taking the relevant health data and displaying a simple, actionable output. Now, I'm no athlete with my level of exercise not currently exceeding a brisk walk, but I can tell you from my experience with this app that it is meaningfully accurate. Let me take you back to the opening of this tale, where I mentioned poor sleep was my excuse for skipping my morning walk. I decided to trust training today one morning when I woke up groggy, not really feeling like that walk. After sitting down to a good breakfast, I looked at my score and it was the low end of green. I was, it said, good to go. So I fought through the malaise and went for my walk. The app was right. After about 15 minutes of walking, I picked up my pace as I was feeling energised. Instead of the grogginess being a reason not to walk... It turned out the walking was a way to blow away the grogginess. Because of those days when I don't feel it, but training today tells me to do it anyway, I now also trust it in the reverse situation. Occasionally, I feel like I should probably go for a walk, but the app tells me my score is low, so on those days, I skip my walk or just go for a short stroll. On these occasions, I can often feel that I really do not have the energy. 
Training today is free in the App Store with an optional $5.99 in-app purchase for the extra iPhone graphs. Finally for this week, Ed Tobias joins us with a sweet handful of tiny tips for the macOS Finder that make a great follow-on from all the tiny tips Alison has been giving us in recent weeks. Hi guys, this is Ed Tobias, also known as Mr. Ed in the chats. Normally, I'm just a few miles from Podfeet headquarters. Right now, I'm talking to you from the east coast of the United States. We're on vacation, and we just spent the day at Martha's Vineyard, a small island off of Cape Cod. And I wanted to bring you a few tiny tips. Normally, when I go on vacation, I take a whole bunch of pictures with my big boy camera. And my big boy camera is usually set to take both JPEGs and RAW. And when I download them back to my Mac, I get a kind of a combined mixture of both the JPEG and the RAW. I like to separate them because I like to put my JPEGs in iPhoto and I like to put the RAW photos in Adobe Lightroom. Well, to make this happen, I go into a finder window where my files are at and I sort them by kind. That separates the JPEGs from the RAW photos. I select all the JPEGs, and normally I would just drag them to a folder that I've created called JPEG. But I've, as I've done before, I've tried that, and sometimes it slips and doesn't hit the folder just right, and then you got image files all over your desktop. Well, the tiny tip that I've got for that is the following. Once you select all your files in the folder that you put them in, you can right-click on the selection, and it'll give you at the top of the contextual menu a command, New Folder with selected with Selection, and it usually puts the number of items in parentheses. That way, it just automatically puts all of the files in a folder without having to drag them anywhere and mistakenly dropping them on your desktop. At that point, the folder is name is highlighted, and you can name it whatever you want. In my case, I name it JPEG. Another tiny tip, once you get to that point, is you want to move those JPEGs to maybe another location on your computer. So, again, you could open up the other location that you're looking for, no matter how deep it is, and drag and drop, and you might put the file there and you might not. Again, to keep that from happening, from slipping somewhere, you can select the file or the folder, and you can do Command-C and then switch over to the directory that you want to put them in, and you use Option-Command-V. What that will do is it will move the file or folder to that other directory that you want it to go to. My final tiny tip, keeping with the theme of image files, is usually I get my files all together, my JPEGs, for example, and I do those tricks and I and I get all my JPEGs in a in the same folder. But for some reason, some of my JPEGs have the file extension JPEG and some of them have capital JPG. I like to have all my file extensions the same. Especially when I post them on my website, it's a lot easier to get them to display properly. In order to do that, I can select all of the files again and then go under the File menu of the Finder and select where it says Rename with uh, ellipses after it. That brings up a dialog box that says Rename Finder Items, colon. At that point, you can search for particular 
characters within the name and then choose what to replace them with. For example, you can search for a capital JPG and replace that with lowercase JPEG. And when you press OK, it replaces all of those characters with the characters that you wanted to have. That's all my tiny tips. Hope you enjoyed them. Hope they were useful to you, and, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Ed. I'm sure everyone can identify with that oops moment of dropping files in the wrong place. The put selected files in folder action was completely new to me, and your tip was very timely as I was able to use it for some scanning work I have been doing. Rather than changing the target folder to scan into in my scanning software, I can just leave it set the same. Then when a complete set of scans is ready, I can use this finder menu option to neatly put them away in their own folder. I think the finder doesn't always get the love it deserves. There are so many affordances like these that make it a very powerful application. You just need to know all its tricks, which tiny tips like these help to expose. That's going to wind things up for this week. Did you know you can email Alison Sheridan at alison at podfeet.com anytime you like? If you have a question or a suggestion, just send it on over. You can follow her on Twitter at podfeet. If you want to join the conversation, you can join our Slack community at podfeet.com slash Slack, where you can talk to me and all of the other lovely NoSilla castaways. Remember, everything good starts with podfeet.com. You can support the show at podfeet.com slash Patreon, or with a one-time donation at podfeet.com slash PayPal. And if you want to join in the fun of the live show, you're going to have to wait till July 31st when Alison and Steve are back. But when that date rolls around, head on over to podfeet.com slash live on Sunday nights at 5pm Pacific time and join the friendly and enthusiastic Nocilla Castaways. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed. <laughs>